The Daily Rios, episode 404. When I first created Wolverine, I created him as a Canadian mutant, specifically so that whomever ended up with the assignment of writing the new X-Men book, should it ever occur, would have a Canadian mutant handy if he wanted them. I think from our perspective, what makes Wolverine so attractive is the unpredictability. The, the belief that, that he doesn't give a damn about anybody but himself and spends his whole life proving that's not true. In the first film, there's that great moment where he first meets Rogue and he's going to dump her by the side of the road because she's not what he wants at that moment. He's going to search for something else. And, and, and she goes, well, if you leave me here, where do I go? What do I do? And he says, I don't know. She says, you don't know or, or don't care. He says, pick one. And I think that kind of describes the character. And yet he spends the rest of the film protecting her and spending the whole thing trying to save her life. Even though he's just said to her, I don't care what happens to you. It's not true. At the heart of him, he cares what happens to everybody around him. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. You may or may not have heard the news that longtime writer, editor, and comic book legend Len Wein passed on September 10th, 2017. The news came from another longtime writer, Paul Kupperberg, who stated simply on his Facebook page, I just got the news, we've lost Len Wein. There are articles being written all over. Twitter is full of condolences and memories of working with Len or growing up reading comics by him. So you're going to read about all of the milestones when it comes to his career. He's the co-creator of Wolverine, one of the creators behind the Bronze Age revival of X-Men, co-creator of Swamp Thing, editor of Watchmen. All of this, I would add, one of the editors on Who's Who, one of the plotters and editors on Crisis, on Legends, even the Wonder Woman revamp in its earliest days. And what might not be as well known is his New Teen Titans connections. Now, because he was such a good friend with Marv Wolfman, grew up with him, uh, when they both left Marvel around the same time, I think in the 70s, they came back to DC and Len Wein was very much a collaborator or at least played a part in getting DC to give the okay on a new Teen Titans book. And then this would eventually be written by Marv Wolfman. They got George Perez on board. And Len Wein had some early contributions. Uh, he was an editor for a good number of years on the book before Wolfman and Perez became co-editors. And in my mind, I think Len Wein is very much a third co-creator for the concept, if not for the actual comics themselves. One of his first writing gigs, if not the first writing gig, was with Marv Wolfman for Teen Titans 18 from 1968, featuring the first appearance of the Russian uh, Red Star, a character that he has also co-created. So beyond all that, I wanted to see which were the earliest comics that I read where Len Wein was a writer. I have a ton of 80s comics, early 80s comics, where he's the editor, such as Justice League of America, New Teen Titans, as I said, Batman and the Outsiders, Batman and Detective, my first Swamp Thing issue, which was issue 20, uh, one issue away from the anatomy lesson, but the ones that he wrote. Now, oddly enough, 
I can remember a few of them to this day. Um, once I looked it up and said, oh, that's he wrote that. That's one of my, you know, that's a comic that I remember from the 80s that I liked. Most notably, DC Comics Presents 61, which was written by Len Wein. And art was by George Perez and Rick Hoberg and Pablo Marcus on inks, Gene D'Angelo on colors. And it was called The Once and Future War, featuring OMAC, where Superman and OMAC teamed up against Murdermech, a machine uh, robot assassin named Murdermech. Very much uh, kind of like a Terminator-esque story before Terminator ever hit the movie theaters, I think. Anyway... Um, that issue is probably the reason I'm a fan of the OMAC character. I certainly enjoyed it because of the Perez artwork. I didn't know Len Wein at the time. I probably didn't remember. Obviously, I said I didn't remember that he wrote it, but it was an issue that I enjoyed. And then Len Wein would also write DC Comics Presents 66, artwork by Joe Kubert, where Superman teamed up with the Demon character against Blackbriar Thorn, and then DC Comics Presents 67, uh, with Santa Claus. And I'm sure he probably wrote more, but I'm just trying to hit some early stuff, stuff that, um, uh, comics that were in my collection. Now, in May of 86, this is a cover date anyway, he wrote Secret Origins number two, which was a spotlight on the first and second Blue Beetle, leading to June 86 cover date Blue Beetle number one with Paris Collins all the way through issue 24, which was the final issue. Now, at the time, I was more of a Booster Gold reader uh, in my circle of comic book friends in the 80s. Some people liked Blue Beetle, some, some people liked Booster Gold. Most of us collected both, but we, we were leaning one way or the other. But I can't deny how much fun that comic was for a long, long time. And what a perfect fit for Len Wein. And what a great addition to the DCU at that time, uh, post-crisis. Uh, so the character of Blue Beetle, Ted Kord, very much a Spider-Man-esque character. And I feel like Len, it played to Len Wein's strengths as a writer and certainly played to Paris, Cull Paris Cullen's artwork at the time. Uh, Len Wein also wrote a backup story, cover date October 86, in the Amethyst special, and it was drawn by Esteban Moroto. You could say that that story was a bridge between the old Amethyst Maxi series and the old Amethyst series. Uh, and then that backup's tale was kind of a bridge to the four issue Amethyst series by Keith Giffen and Esteban Moroto um, that firmly put her universe and her cast of characters within the Lords of Order and the Lords of Chaos. So. I did not know that Len Wein was the one who did that backup tale, so that was nice to find out. But perhaps the biggest run, the one that I absolutely knew who the writer was, uh, mostly because DC advertised it this way, was his run on Green Lantern with Dave Gibbons. This is all pre-Watchmen. I'm not entirely sure why the character or why the creators were given such a push, other than to say uh, in um, 1984, uh, he took it, well, I guess it was at the end of 1983, because the cover date is January 84, Green Lantern 172, and 
he would write all the way up through 186, and Dave Gibbons was on most of those issues. But maybe it was something to do with Green Lantern had been off of Earth up to that point, and they wanted to bring him to Earth. Maybe it had something to, something to do with Dave Gibbons. I'm not sure, but I remember the house ad. And uh, here's the blurb. The house ad said, beginning this October, Len Wein and Dave Gibbons will take the Emerald Gladiator places he has never gone before to new foes, new friends, new thrills. The new Green Lantern is coming, and he's coming for you. It most likely was the first time I saw Dave Gibbons' artwork, and as I said, there was something about that house ad and something about the book that uh, the name Len Wein stood out. So for me, in the 80s, that's the title that his name will always be associated with. And you would get characters such as Predator and the Demolition Team, Javelin, Shark, uh, in a two-part Flash crossover uh, story. Eclipso made a reappearance. There was that very enigmatic character named Mr. Smith. And then uh, he introduced a news reporter named Tawny Young. And all of it led up to Jon Stewart becoming Green Lantern. I loved that series at the time. I... I don't, it, it didn't necessarily make me the biggest Green Lantern fan, but I like that run. And it was traded in a uh, one trade. It was called Green Lantern Sector 2814, I want to say back from 2012. Something about the mix of the artwork, something about the story and the big Green Lantern cast of characters, it worked. It clicked for me. I enjoyed it. I always remember it. I still have it in my collection to this day. And, you know, as I was flipping through the covers, I realized that they made an effort to put Len Wein and Dave Gibbons' name on names on the cover. And not a lot of DC titles were doing that at the time. I did a quick search. I took a random month, like sometime in 1984 or 1985, and just went through. And, you know, New Teen Titans had the creators on the cover. Swamp Thing creators on the cover. Maybe a few others. Batman? Nope. Superman? Nope. Wonder Woman? Nope. Flash? Nope. For some reason, Green Lantern got that nod. And I don't know if maybe that was something that was in their contract. Were they trying to push Dave Gibbons' name because he was about ready to do Watchmen and, and Len Wein was a an editor on Watchmen? Did it have something to do with Len Wein himself? Did they think that the name had some cachet at the time? I don't know. I'd be very curious to find that out. So for me, the 80s book, the the biggest book in my head, if you say Len Wein, is that 80s Green Lantern run for what it's worth. So so there it is, uh, Len Wein, no longer with us, 69 years young. Super unfortunate. He was a true comics legend. I think I saw somewhere that someone said, it might have even been Brad Meltzer on Twitter or someone else, that said you can't write the history of comics without Len Wein. And that is very, very true. This has been the Daily Rios episode 404. Talk to you soon.